Hello friends, my name is Lisa Brown from Platinum Education Group and you are listening to the Everything Early Childhood podcast. Let's get started. Our special guest today is Jake Beasley. He is an award-winning early childhood director. Join us for a candid chat about his journey as a childcare professional. Hi Jake, thanks so much for joining us today. Hi Lisa. Thank you for having me. So I um, thought we'd start off by um, you sharing just a little bit about your story so far. Um, so tell us a little bit about what you do. Um, so at the moment, I'm the director of a childcare centre, 72 children a day, six rooms. Beautiful. And what got you started in early childhood? Um, so maybe 10 or so years ago, I needed to pick a direction for my life. Um, and through through searching what I enjoyed and, and what I was good at, I realised I was quite good at um, keeping children entertained. So I, I just picked that. I picked early childhood as something to do. So I went to TAFE, did my Cert 3, and that's that's when I fell in love with it and, and realised it was something that I could not only do but be good at and be passionate about. Awesome. Yeah, and what keeps you going? So what gets you out of bed each morning? Um... Yeah, I guess seeing the seeing the impact you make is is what keeps you going. So there's differences all around you. Like you, you're able to see and and quantify the difference you're making with the children in your centre, but also through the position I'm in, the differences you're making with the educators and the other leaders around you and and the families and wider community too. Like it's a it's a job which has a, a wide outreach. So do you, yeah, do you think to be a director, like, it's really important to have the personal skills to be able to? Um, I think it's important. I know and I've worked with and and I know of directors where that might not necessarily be important. There's yeah. there's all sorts of different directors out there and it's not for me to say what works and what doesn't work. But what works for me and my centre and the culture, what we have at our centre, yeah, absolutely, you need to be able to work with people and understand people to be able to get the best out of them. And what tools and strategies have you used to, I guess, understand more about your people? Um, I guess asking questions is very important. Mm-hmm. So you, you you have to get to know people to to understand them and through that, like, who who else can help you do that than the person themselves so like you don't assume anything you always need to be having those conversations getting to know people of course there's um like there's tips and tricks what you can use to do that like there's all sorts of quizzes and things online what you can start doing like as part of inductions and whatnot but i don't think any of that is ever ever compares to just building a relationship and taking the time and spending the time to really get to know people and and have those relationships with them like like what i was saying earlier about um like some directors it, it might not be important to them like i've heard some directors say things like you 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 don't need to make friendships you don't mm-hmm. like you're here to you're here to do a a job and the friendship comes second mm-hmm. like I'd, I'd almost sometimes tend to disagree with that mm-hmm. um like of course it's not the most important thing to to your role but um if like why would you be actively trying to avoid a friendship or if you can get a friendship out of it then then all the better for it if that makes sense yeah definitely and was that something that you questioned um like when you first became a director was that something that you questioned in your own mind about the 
like conflict of the oh, massively, massively. So yeah. obviously, like, so with my experience of becoming a director, um, like when I started being a director, I I did feel as though I had a point to prove, and I did feel as though this was kind of a um like a, like a one a one chapter or one book closing and another one opening kind of thing. So so part of my um growth was was through that I kind of burnt a lot of bridges and I I felt as though because I was a director now the previous chapter had to close like that was part of my duty as a director to to stop all this other stuff and begin this part of my life which I think was um like it was part of the journey what brought me here so it had to happen but looking back it was it was definitely a big learning point in that that wasn't the case and that didn't need to happen yeah. So, um, and I think that's something really commonly that a lot of directors can face. Mm. Um, being working so closely in teams, I find that um, a lot of, especially new directors, come up, and especially directors like yourself who started working um, at the centre as an educator mm. um, and of working up into the role of director. I think that's a really challenging transition. Yeah. A hundred percent. It was like it, in all aspects of early childhood. Like it's happened a few times between, for example, going from being an educator in a room to a room leader. Like mm. it's a very similar thing. You're you're working alongside all these, or like you're working alongside educators. Then all of a sudden, there's certain dynamics have changed, and that can that can weigh heavily on your thoughts and how you're interacting with people. And it it doesn't need to be like it. It doesn't that's that's a, a personal thing and that's a like a personal kind of bias of the role is that that's what you're expecting the role to be so mm. that's how you act mm. um, but in hindsight like that that didn't need to happen at all if you have good relationships with the people around you mm. then then it should all just come naturally there's a reason that and do you think that's more of like an ego as well like that's where your ego sort of or an ego can well absolutely uh, yeah yeah 100 percent. Mm. and so as as part of that ego, like it, it, it's it's a point we've got to prove to yourself as well. So, to to serve your own ego to keep yourself happy, mm. you you want there to be a clear definition of okay, I was this person or I was in this role, but now I'm in this role. Mm. So you kind of want it to there to be that kind of definition. Whereas, um, yeah, the the best kind of growth or the 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 best kind of position is always going to be one what's what's what takes a while and what you spend the time cultivating and and just just making sure it happens naturally rather than trying to kickstart things straight away Mm -hmm. yeah definitely and I think um like do you have a line like do you have a line between um I guess professionalism and friendship and how do you draw like differentiate between them 100% so and like it is as as you develop in the position you start to run into those challenges and again I think it's important to find something what works for you and works for your relationships like for me I like making sure that I just have something what can't be argued with like there are non-negotiables so Mm -hmm. if it's non-negotiable then it doesn't need to affect any kind of relationship it doesn't need to affect any kind of dynamic like there's, for example, policies and procedures. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like you can't argue with those. It's it, there's nothing personal in it. There's nothing 
there's there's no reason for it to to cause upset or to 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 yeah be personal and that's a big thing isn't it like it's like um i was going to say taking the person out of it but mm. it's it's not personal yeah 100% so it's being really clear and that mm. I, again like just one of the challenges what i faced is when you when you take that kind of stance that can be seen as being quite almost like robotic or mm. unemotional and mm. and like quite a lot of the times i've been faced with accusations of being unemotional or not seeing the the heart in things or or not taking people's feelings into account but at at the end of the day policies procedures are created for a reason mm-hmm. systems are created for a reason yeah if if they're not followed then they're not followed there's no two ways around it like yeah. that that decision can be quite binary and that's a tool what i use quite a bit to be able to just have that line of this is what expect this is what's expected mm-hmm. these expectations are not being met so there's no there's no argument to be had yeah. we just need to rectify it and if the policy is not correct if the procedure is not correct if mm-hmm. if that way of doing things isn't correct then fine you review it you you revisit it that's all part of the review process but um again yeah, which the they review will, process they would all is contribute a process. to it. 100%, so those yeah. policies and procedures are very clear yeah and that um, goes with relationships is people knowing and understanding that nothing is set in stone but what mm-hmm. is there is there for a reason mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it comes back to that non-negotiable yeah, that you're exactly. talking about and being clear about what that is and i think what it does it stops that gray area forming between the relationships yeah. it it creates that black or white yeah. like there is no in between yeah. um and i can see and understand what they're saying about like non-emotional or um you know, those emotions not being there. Yeah. But I think you have to draw the line somewhere. No, 100%. And and there's, like, there's... there's. I think with drawing the line and creating that black or white, it stops that favouritism. Yeah, exactly. And, like, part of that drawing that line, like, it helps the relationships in the sense that you're, you're able to bounce back. So, for example, in... Um, performance improvement processes or having those discussions with people and those difficult conversations, having clear processes and clear lines means that you're able to bounce back after those difficult conversations a lot quicker. Like a lot of the time um, I've heard of experiences being had where you're having these difficult conversations and there's just a fog around the people or the centre or that relationship. Mm. Like people carry that baggage and carry that conversation with them um, which you should be doing in the terms of knowing that it happened and what it mm. happened and what's happening next. And what outcome that you're exactly. wanting Exactly, but mm. in terms of um, having it affect the mood or the 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 ideas of the centre, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. there shouldn't be that knock-on effect of those difficult conversations. No, and that's definitely not the intention. Like you don't 100%. want them to come into their yeah. practice holding on to, yeah. to that conversation. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like, so like with holding on to conversations, just having even processes around having conversations. Start your conversation off with, "Hey, here's why we're having this conversation." Being upfront with, "This is a difficult conversation. Like, I know that this is going to be difficult. It'll be difficult for me. It'll be difficult for you. Mm-hmm. But um, we've got to have it because here's what's happened." And at the end of that conversation, just having your clear direction of where you're going to go next, and then just and then that's it, and then you're able to bounce back from that because. The line's been crossed, it's been dealt with, let's move on.
Yeah, beautiful. So it gives a really clear pathway forward. So what's the best advice someone's ever given you? What um, advice would you give to someone else? Are they different or are they the same? So so I have a the one, there's one quote what, um, and the reason I highlight on questions, there's there's one quote what has like actually had a like quite a strangely profound effect on me recently. What I saw on TV it was by um uh, an Apple TV show Ted Lasso. I love Ted Lasso. So he he there was a I can't remember what episode it was, and it's such a bizarre throwaway comment, but it actually mm-hmm. made me think. So I can't remember what he was talking about. I can't remember what it was, but he was talking to someone, and he just said, and he was explaining what had happened because everybody's different. Yeah, and that was the quote. Just everybody's different, and he just made me think, like, because a lot of the time, as as a director, I struggle with the idea of, well, yeah. this is just like just do it. Why don't? Why won't you just do it? Or why don't you just do it that way? Like yeah. this is so so easy for sometimes. me. Like why don't mm. you just do it? Or like someone finds something easy and I find it yeah, difficult, and yeah. it's just like how is how are some things easy for some people, or how do some people act in a different way, or why do some people? do things so seemingly completely different and backwards mm-hmm. and alien to the way I do things. Well, yeah. it's just because everybody's so different. Mm-hmm. And it's at the end of the day, it's my job to deal with that and to accept that and to work out with how that person or how this mm-hmm. person acts and is and believes and behaves. Yeah, I need to figure out a way to make that version be the best it can be. Oh, exactly. So it's about really reflecting on your leadership style yeah. with each individual person. Yeah, that I, yeah. I can't mm. expect everybody to fall in line and nobody should ever expect the people around them to fall in line mm. with well, the Or even understand where you're coming from. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I find sometimes, um, you know, when leading a team Mm. that you can say something and they have no idea or they might misinterpret what you say and think it was something completely different and again you can't blame them for that yeah no 100 it's about seeking that clarification yeah and like on the clarity it can be it can be quite that can be another very difficult line because at the end of the day like directors people in leadership everyone in early childhood is busy we're all time poor we don't have the time to be explaining every single little decision. Mm-hmm. Like I know for a fact in my experience growing, like not growing up, but in my lead up in early childhood, part of my frustrations were that I didn't understand the reason certain directions were being took or certain decisions were being made. Mm-hmm. But that's in on reflection, that's only because that's the kind of person I am. Yeah. I don't like doing things without understanding why I'm doing them. Yeah, I'm the same. Like yeah. to the point of being a, like a seven year old child and being told to tidy my room. I couldn't understand why my room needed to be tidied. My mum was just telling me to do it. Yeah. I didn't understand why it was such an important mm-hmm. issue. So I I didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so and and so I need to understand why I'm doing what I'm doing, yeah. and I just wish that that would have been shared with me. I would have been a much more compliant or agreeable educator growing up. Um, childhood, it, yeah, 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 in early childhood, I would have been a much more efficient or better or whatever educator if mm. that would have happened. And I and I kind of hold that with me with my educators and just trying to know which educators require which levels of explanation and which ones don't. 
Yeah, and taking the time to, to exactly, do what they need. Exactly, and saying yeah. all of that, like, we, again, we don't have the time to be explaining every single little move. Mm. And so sometimes, like, I, I think as well, you need to be able to draw that line and, and just say, if you're time poor, and just kind of being confident in yourself and in your role of being able to say, or back your own decisions if that makes sense yeah. so you don't you don't need to offer explanations to absolutely everyone like so, that's not needed because there are certain examples where it might be like quite an emergent situation or like just really quickly with some language that you use with them to just be like please trust trust my decision and we can talk about the why later yeah. or what language do you use with your team so um like a recent example would be there's I like to refer a lot of educators and, and leaders, for example, as well, who might not be understanding if I don't have the time or whatever to be going through specific regulations, which mm-hmm. can happen sometimes. Like I know there's often a lot of um, discussion around ratio, quote unquote, under the roof ratio, mm-hmm. all that kind of thing. Um, it's there in the regulations. It's there in the resources that everybody has readily accessible to them. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's just people's understanding of what that means well and that's it and if people are questioning certain decisions or directions or whatever then that's great like they're showing an interest they're taking Mm. an active interest that means that they can take it one step further and seek out those regulations seek out those blog posts look on the secret website just as examples like the the information is there mm-hmm. you, like you can point them in the right direction yes it's all public yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah, like you don't you don't need to to blindly trust me yeah you so would you prefer them to yourself. find it and come to you and say um oh i saw this um but i don't feel like we're doing that or i, w- I would love that i like yeah. I, I, lo- I love nothing more than that like or i don't understand how we yeah. do that and, yeah. it, and it can be hard to hear sometimes it can be frustrating to yeah, hear sometimes like yeah. it, it can be annoying to be to have somebody approach you and say hey like we're not doing this because like guess what there's always going to be 50,000 things you're not doing and nobody wants an extra thing to be added onto that pile Mm -hmm. but again that comes back to relationships like I trust my team in that that's coming to me with nothing but the best of intentions like somebody is telling me that hey I saw this regulation or I saw this blog post or this thing happened at my last center what worked well and what's not happening here yeah um that's all coming from the direction of this is going to help the centre improve. And isn't it funny you say that because I find a lot of educators will move from like their a centre to another centre and it, it particularly happens commonly if a person has been at that centre for a yeah. long time yeah. and they haven't been to another centre so every single thing that happens in that other centre yeah. is like gospel yeah. and it's like it must be in the regulations yeah. because that's how we did yeah. it. And then they'll start a new job and they'll go to a new centre and yeah. they will come and they'll be like, oh, but we did this. Yeah. This must be the law. This must be gospel. Yeah. Where does this come from? And it's because um, in every service there's common practices yeah. that happen um, and it might not necessarily come from um, or be directly related to a law or regulation. Mm. It's just the processes and practices that happen within each service. Yeah. And it can look um, like the law and regulations, whilst they're, um, I guess, clear of what they are, they are um, 
there's no black or white. Yeah. So it's up to your service with how you yeah. how you interpret that and what your practice and procedures look like. And going back to that confidence in your own decisions and yeah. your own decision-making process is so important because, like, it's easy to be questioning everything every day because we can do. We have, in early childhood, so many frameworks, standards and guidelines so much and so many legislation it even goes further than um like the early um childhood education and care law and regulations yeah and so many legislation even the people who we get in the building helping us abide by regulations like Mm. we have somebody coming in for example helping us with fire safety compliance they're going off one set of regulations which might not immediately correlate to the early childhood regulations and then you have a sequel coming through the door saying this is our regulations and then you've got council coming in about the fire regulations just having i think faith in your processes and solid processes Mm -hmm. of being able to say okay this is the decision what was made and an evidence-based approach evidence a hundred percent and so one example what just happened recently like i'll have an example for everything we talk about (laughs) one example (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We, we we were having a, a a big long discussion about climbing frames and 1.5 meters or one meter away from from and, yeah, obstructions yeah. what constitutes an obstruction is a plant an obstruction is a ball an obstruction is, and and there's a there's a framework but it's a framework what we as a center are choosing to to use as a guide and child safe yeah yeah kids mm-hmm. safe yeah okay. kids safe new south wales so uh, that's what we're using but it's just that it's just a guide mm-hmm. if we weren't following that we wouldn't be breaking any laws like there wouldn't be a regulation we're breaking we're just following a guideline because that's what we've decided is in the best interests of the children's safety and and we're just using that as a tool to make the best decisions Oh, absolutely. And we've got to look at, um, you know, from reputable sources um, and gathering all of that information and data um, in order to make those best decisions. Yeah. And so, like, there's there's no black and white clear answer. No, it's only if something happens at your yes. service. Yeah, but um, then you, but then you then need to justify, justify that it and that with those reputable what, sources and evidence with why you've made that decision. And that would be what gets looked at. And if yeah. you've made all of the right decisions and all of the right processes are, processes mm-hmm. are in place, like yeah. accidents and things do happen, do, yeah. you just need to make sure that you've done everything right by you and your centre and your decisions up mm-hmm. to that point. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um. Yeah, and like every centre will have different decisions and, and every centre will have different ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. That will change every time you go to another centre. I started at this centre swearing black and blue that the legal temperature, what the thermostat on an air conditioning needed to be set at, was no lower than 20 degrees and no higher than 24 because that's that's just what I believe for my last centre. So, that so was, you carried that on. I carried that on, even yeah, to the point of being a director. Cool. Yeah. Like, I was director, and I started off as director with the chip on my shoulder ready to kind of make my mark. Mm. So I run around, and I, I act up at everyone for having thermostats set at something that's not the law. And it's funny, isn't it? Because it, whether it's a thermostat or whether it's, like, a belief or principle, mm. whether it's from your childhood, yeah. whether it's from your previous, like, centre or employer, like, it's, it's amazing how we can have these bias. Mm. Um, going on in our own minds, yeah, and, and that, carry that with us, and and I guess that's that idea of ego as well. You just need to be prepared to be letting those kinds of things go. Like 
you don't know everything, I don't know everything, mm -hmm. no one knows everything. So you just want to be making sure that you are surrounding yourself with people where you can discover whatever you need to discover. Well, those different yeah. minds and those exactly. different perspectives. And that's why it's so important. Like, I saw a good quote the other day of... Um, you need to make sure that you're surrounding yourself with intelligent people who argue with you. Mm. Like I completely, I, I like I would swear by that. And often that's that can be quite confronting to some people at first. Mm. Like being enjoying a good argument. No, but we're often sharing like little quotes about like arguments, 100%. and we'll often get into arguments about the random, yeah, the randomest things. Yeah, and mm. but that's that's a comp that's a, like that's a beautiful thing. Like it just means that oh, absolutely that you're you're passionate enough about what you're talking about to yeah. to, to to back it up and to yeah. to try and argue your point. But on that, being prepared to. Like, for an argument to happen, mm. there needs to be a give and there needs to be a take. Oh, 100%. And I heard the other day it said, if you find yourself not agreeing with somebody else or feeling like getting into that healthy debate or healthy mm. argument, you're going to learn something. 100%, yeah. And that is where that is going to lead. So rather than being like, oh, I don't want to get um, into conflict, I don't want to um, have that conversation, like jump into it with yeah. open arms because that means that you're about yeah. to learn something. And even if it's not learning something about the specific thing you're arguing about, you mm -hmm. could learn something about how that person operates. 100%. You could learn something about how that type of person operates. Yeah. Like how... how the person who you're arguing with is behaving or taking on board what you're saying or mm -hmm. giving you something new or some new information, yeah. that could be a specific trait of a certain type of person you're going to be meeting in the future. Mm -hmm. So how you're interacting with this person, if it all goes tits up and it's all going terribly and you're losing that argument, then 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 great. That'll give you some information on how to deal with a person like that in the but future. I don't even well. look at it like it's a win or lose. I look at it like, okay, I'm going to state my perspective, you're going to state your perspective, and we're probably going to keep going back and yeah. forth. And event, usually when you and I do that, we both mean the same thing. That's because me and you, are, like, we're lucky in the sense that we're very similar people and that and that we, um, we're we both very able to laugh about the arguments that we're having. Yeah, and then, but then if for other people, for example, like they might, it, it, at the very least, it will give you an indication with how that person handles conflict. Yeah, I think. And, and, and this, how they like to handle conflict. This, and it's it's something what I've learned through failure, <laughs> like yeah. I think it's a good word, is that you cannot go into an argument with expectations of it going a certain way. Mm. So, uh, like, an unhealthy or argument. Or a conversation. Uh, yeah, or a conversation. A discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it wouldn't necessarily, you wouldn't go into an argument. Well, it would be a discussion, a conversation, a meeting perhaps. Yeah, like, I, I think we need to almost, or this is just my thing, like, and what I've tried to establish with my team is that, like, we want to break down the stigma, the stigma of an argument. Like an argument doesn't it, it it doesn't need to be negative. Like having an argument, there doesn't need to be that kind of negative connotation or that negative stigma with it. You can have a healthy argument. You can definitely, and I've had plenty of unhealthy arguments, absolutely, and that was a big part of my early director journey mm. was was um, to going into arguments knowing it was going to be an argument and then having that way on my mind in the hours leading up to an argument. And then, so entering what I already know is going to be an argument with 
the emotion and the heat of an argument that I haven't even had yet. <laughs> like yeah. you're, you're you're going into a discussion mm-hmm. with a preconceived idea of how it's going to go or how difficult it's going to be or, or or what reaction is going to be had. That like that's that's you don't that's know. and all that that's doing yeah. is just in your mind. <laughs> you're going over every single case scenario, procrastinating, overthinking yeah. it. That's dangerous uh, because. Yeah. You don't actually know until then, you're there in that time. So, you don't actually you, know. When you've got your script in your head and the conversation goes off of that script, which it will do because it always will do, yeah, yeah. then then you're going to panic and it's just going to get worse. And I guess that in itself is... But for people like me, that script is a good way to feel confident going into that discussion, having some some points to start yeah, off. Points, yeah, points are what are important. Yeah. So just, and points and that confidence. You need to be, sh- like, you, you need to be sure that you are going to be able to, that, that you have an evidence-based approach. Yes. So, yes. so there's no... Um, well, yeah. it's coming back to that, um, that black and white, that yeah. it's, you know, it's very clear. Yeah. Um. With the non-negotiable, with okay, yeah. this is why we're here today. Yeah. Um. And and with the intention. Yeah. So. But I think you can set the intention from the start too. I think it's healthy too. I think mm. it's it's better to set that intention. How do you set an intention? Well, it depends on the kind of conversation what we're having. Like, if it's an official capacity, then mm. I am a big fan of agendas more so. Like for everyone involved, for for myself, so I don't go off on tangents. So mm-hmm. we we do stay on track, and for the other person who's involved in the conversation too, so that they know the kind of route that the conversation is going to be going. And are you giving that to them in advance? Again, depending on what it is. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of the time there are certain conversations what don't need to be given advance warning and with certain people that can be a detrimental kind of thing yes we talk about this so often having that having that kind of stress and and it's the worst like imagine someone coming up to you and saying oh um i just we're gonna have a meeting at two o'clock with just for a chat oh that feeling of like tell me what do they want to talk about like what what is going to happen and i'll do that with anyone like i'll do that with with families who are coming in saying hey can we have a meeting tomorrow and i was like yeah sure no worries but can i just ask what like what is it in regards to is everything okay can we just have a rundown that's more so for my anxiety more than anything because yeah. I will stew Just on setting, um, I know we were talking about earlier with, um, you know, one of the educators over in Leaders, she was saying, like, her safety, like, cup and her safety cup is huge. Like, imagine saying that to someone with, mm-hmm. like, who had those needs. Oh, that's the day um, for them. Yeah, who had those needs. But even for her, like, she would, sh- like, they would stew on it no matter mm-hmm. what. Safe, big safety cup people. Yeah. Um, so I think even letting them know on that day, even just giving them a, like not a not a lot of warning, but some notice. Uh, some notice, and in yeah. that in that circumstance, and exactly just being upfront with what it is. What is about. That's a hundred percent it. Yes. Yeah, so we're we're going to be having this conversation about this particular thing, and like everybody who is here is intelligent, and if you give them an, an outline of what what we're talking about don't know what it's about yeah like like well that that conversation is going to be framed like uh, so the person will be able to prepare themselves to be having a conversation about something that they know about Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so just going in there and saying hey let's have a conversation later like that's that's rarely productive there needs to be some kind of outline it's that hey we need to talk 
kind of thing. Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's. And it helps them to be prepared um, as well, I think. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And then there are certain situations where you could go a step further and just say, hey, we're going to be having a conversation, conversation later. This is what it's about. This is an agenda. This is what we'll be discussing. And then that kind of conversation, the other people might be able to bring things to the table if they're given time to prepare. Yeah. Um, again, it all, everything's different. There's no, there's no clear roadmap. It just comes down to knowing the people, knowing the situations mm-hmm. and, and making the best decisions for that scenario, which is part of the role. Like there's no one size fits all approach. People shouldn't be expected to, to be falling in line with your approach. Leaders, in my belief, need to be changing their approach to fit the circumstance. Yeah, and the person. And the person. Like yeah. there's, there's, there's scenarios where that might work, but then that might be where you only need to surround yourself with one or two people and you're able to find those people who can fit in oh, that in a smaller mold. team. Like 100%. Yeah, if that yeah. works for you, then good on you. But mm. when there's a centre of 25, 30 people, like... Yeah you're going to need to be creative in finding ways to make that all come together and mesh as a cohesive whole because that's that's yes. what we're really at. A hundred percent. And I think um, that it's easier to manage or lead people that are very similar to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, and it's so much easier. Yeah. Like me, I'm a very like down the line, yeah. A straight shooter, like just tell me, break it down, dot points. Mm-hmm. Like if you could just be very um, – you know, direct to the point. Yeah. Um, whereas it took a lot of time leading or leading people to really understand how do I lead someone that is not like me? Yeah. Um, you know, that may need that extra time, that may need, as you're saying, that that explanation and that why. Mm. And the whole reason we do that is to help them be the best version of themselves, yeah. to be the best educator for themselves, for the children, for the centre, for the families. Yeah. And it can be hard because that's something which is best learned through experience and through failure. Yeah. Um, and I think we need to celebrate failure more. Oh, 100%. Like, I remember, like, um, like I heard once, even with your children, like it's awesome. What did they fail at today? Yeah. And really celebrate yeah. that failure because yeah. it means they're trying. They're giving new things a go. Yeah. And again, it's breaking down that stigma of of um, failure just being something to be ashamed about. Like, yeah. no, it doesn't. And looking back, like every single or the vast majority of stories when I tell people about my journey and about how how I am where I am today is because of the stuff that I've stuffed up. Mm-hmm. Um. Like that's 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 been well. Let's talk about that. (laughs) Why not? Let's dive in. So, um, yeah, I guess what what's the biggest thing you failed at that you can look back or on now and that you've learned from? So, I I guess one of the biggest themes of everything I'm talking about is um, trying to feeling upset or not understanding why people aren't following or fitting into my mold. So, so, a, so you came in with an expectation as a, as a director yeah. that people were going to just fit into 100%, your... 100% I did. Yeah. And, and then I would, I would be racked with frustration when that and that things weren't going in the direction that I wanted them to go. And I was getting frustrated because I didn't yet have the experience or the emotional maturity to understand why that was happening and that. It was actually me who was at fault. It was just all a big basket of frustration, and and it just it it, it was 
quite a difficult thing to deal with because my ego wasn't letting me um, kind of seek out that that kind of guidance or, or any kind of perspective on why things weren't going the way I suspected they should be going. Mm-hmm. I was the director. I should be in charge of how things are going. So if things aren't um, going in a direction, yeah. that is my fault. And okay. that hurts so my ego. you as a reflection of you. Yes. Yeah. Right. So I was getting frustrated because I was failing at my job and I was yeah. failing at my job because I was getting frustrated. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was quite a difficult cycle. And, um, and like it would have, it, it needed other people and another person to pull me out of that, which I think speaks to the, the importance and how, how vital it is for, for anyone, no matter how experienced or how good you think you are or whatever, like people need to be surrounding themselves with a mentor figure and, and mentor figure is in somebody you can learn from and somebody who can help guide you in a direction that can be in a traditional sense like it can be in a in a hierarchical sense it can be in a like you can put whatever titles you want on it but it can also be in all sorts of different directions like anybody around you can be a mentor you can learn anything from the people around you you just need to be able to be receptive to that guidance and you need to be ready within yourself and to have to not have an ego preventing you from being a mentee. Mm-hmm. So you found that, like, during sort of, let's say, your first year of being a director mm. um, and fighting that frustration, mm. um, it, w- it wasn't until you were able to sort of, I guess, acknowledge what the problem mm. was, um, you know, get that advice and be able to be open. Yeah. So all of that happened, like, that's all correct. It all happened, like, in at different stages and through different experiences. Then, like, there was no kind of, like, it's not like a five-step process. The first step is breaking down those problems. <laughs> the second yeah. is the foundation. Like, yeah. that's not a thing. It all happened in a big kind of kerfuffle of, of, of many months and years of experiences mm. what have thankfully ended up being like culminating in what they are today um but yeah that was it was still definitely a a process which was which was difficult and challenging at times because of those preconceived ideas and because of that ego it Mm. was it was a difficult process but it was one which looking back I'm now able to be thankful for and to look at and talk about and laugh about and see as a very beneficial process so you came into being a director with almost like a tunnel vision mm. uh, of like the the perfectionism that you viewed it from and an yeah. expectation of what you and the centre should be like. Yeah, if I was a good writer, like I would be able to write a book on what exactly I thought things could or things should be. Right. Um, like so you had a whole picture. I had a whole like, picture, and yeah. that that was built from different experiences, from different places, from different people. But mm. I had a very specific idea, which again, like I think, is 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 part of having that kind of that that negative and that strong ego is is when you get so sure, like it's it's a detriment. Like you 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 can never let yourself be so sure that you're unable to see any other way which was kind of where I was and like it it is a personality trait of mine is just 
headstrong and stubborn. Yeah. Um, but we are talking earlier about the arguments, and mm. I think going into an argument, you need to be open to hear yeah. the other person's perspective. Yeah. So yeah. when you surround yourself with a team of people, yeah. I guess it's the same thing, like rather than going in with that tunnel vision or perfectionism. Yeah. It's about being open-minded to other people's perspective and that it may yeah. not go the way you're, we preconceive yeah. that it will. And I could, there's, there's a lot to be said for collaboration and it's it's something which needs a lot of the time to be like taught or, or shown that as a leader it's an okay thing to be hearing that those ideas and to be hearing those kind mm-hmm. of perspectives and and to the extent like now being where I am and having all of these experiences and being so unreceptive to other people's ideas it and, would and and seeing the consequences and seeing of, the consequences of oh yeah a hundred percent like it's now something which is so um paramount to my philosophy and the, and the type of culture what I'm wanting to surround myself with that like with new people who I'm surrounding myself with. So in the early childhood context, new educators mm. and new leaders who begin. Like it's something which I like to explicitly make aware that I'm I'm okay with arguments. Like I'm okay with hearing difficult things. I want you and I need you to be approaching me if you believe that something could be done better. Mm. If you believe that I'm doing something which you don't agree with or doesn't sit right with you or there's a a way that you feel as though you could be led better. Like, I would so much rather hear that. (laughs) I'm laughing because you get to a point in your career where you're like, feedback? Feedback? Yeah. Um, And I can't believe, like, in contrast, yeah. like, you know, knowing your journey, being yeah. part of your journey and seeing where you have come from yeah. and being so closed off yeah. to that feedback um, and almost being, like, um, uh, defensive about that feedback oh. and, like, shattering that vision of um, your perception mm. or your, you know, your vision of what well, it was Well, again, like. it, it because of the experiences what I had at those stages of, all of that feedback, nobody coming to me with it. So it yes. builds up, it builds up. And then you get handed that feedback in one big giant package mm. of somebody being unhappy, essentially. Yeah. When that's given to you in one big package, that's heartbreaking. Mm. Like to, to be stood there for, to be going through things for a long period of time and then to be told after that period of time that during that time, somebody else wasn't having a good time. Mm. Mm-hmm. That like th- that that was crushing because at the end of the day, no matter what I expect the job to be or whatever, I mm-hmm. I want to be good at it and I want people to be happy. And you didn't know anything about. I had no idea. Like yeah. I was, I had no idea. I was wrong a hundred percent. Like I was wrong and I was at fault. I just wish I'd have known. And so. And there's two sides to that, isn't there? There's like how how amazing to have that, like you know, mentor and someone above you for other people to go to. Mm-hmm. But then on the flip side of that, like for for you to feel that they couldn't come to you during that yeah. time. But even in saying that, like looking at um, like you know, whether we call it failure, whether we call it um, an obstacle, a challenge, like you learnt so much during mm-hmm. that period. And like anytime something like that happens, it's a period for growth. Yeah, no, 100%. And 
flag through that for for my benefit. I don't want to be ever given those big packages of somebody being unhappy again. I would much rather it be spoon fed in little doses. Um, but but well, like feedback, feedback. Yeah, well, one hundred percent though. And when it's given like that, like it's more manageable. It's yeah. more like you're able to to task analyze things and and address littler things when you're given. But how do you think we encourage that more? Sorry, like being open know, from the start. I think, yeah, and okay. and and again, like I I learned from that experience that mm. I need. The people I'm surrounding myself with yes. to be comfortable enough with me to be giving that feedback yes. and to be confident that something is going to be done about it. And because as a leader, it's not about you. Uh, yeah, 100%. Right? That's yeah. hard. Like, yeah. that's hard. Yeah. To, but once you get past that and you start to realise, like I saw a quote the other day, like being a leader is, um, you know, not about managing people or keeping charge. It's about building other leaders. Yeah. So um, and importance, like with everything we've talked about, is mm. that relationship, knowing yeah. people, listening to people. Yeah, and just knowing people. Like I, I know and I understand that one hundred percent why people didn't feel comfortable giving me those little bits of feedback. Mm-hmm. Like I do, I get it, um, and and that's something which now I like proactively avoid by making sure that those relationships are there and that people can that the people never feel like that again that people know me as somebody who can be approached and given feedback and yeah have it responded and a part of those relationships as well like we're all human like do not get me wrong like there'll be times I'm given feedback and like it'll be hard to hear and there'll be uh let's call it a discussion and there'll and there'll be like back and forth mm. but part of that is having the 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 strength of a relationship to be able to withstand those moments and you need to be the bigger person as yeah. a leader in that moment yeah. you need to be that bigger person yeah. take it on take it all on yeah yeah there's been many times where we we've had conversations between ourselves and 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 with other leaders and we've they've been hard and in early childhood like we're under no pretense here it's stressful we get stressed we need to be able to to know that and um a part of that is is being able to accept it at the time and so having those difficult discussions in stressful circumstances but then there's nothing wrong with looking back at it and saying okay that did go the best that it could have gone and just following up on it, not letting things lie. So reflecting, lie. getting into reflecting that reflection and, and reflection of your practice. There's been moments where we've had stressful conversations, but like I've I've called, I've sent someone a message at night and just said, hey, I know it's out of hours, but something's not sitting right with me. I didn't like how we left things. Do you mind if, if we just have a have a quick phone call conversation? Now, yeah. we can wait till tomorrow if you want, but I just wanted to check in. Yeah. And I've had replies back saying, like, I was wondering when this message was going to come. I was wondering when we were going to have this conversation because completely agree. But they're probably sitting at home too. Well, like, and that's, and, and that's why you have that conversation. Straight away. Yeah, straight away. A hundred percent. And um, just having, like, like I'm, I'm grateful that the relationships are strong enough yeah. to, for that to be a course of action. Yeah. For, for us to be okay with having, like, heated or stressed conversations we're all human, they're going to happen, mm-hmm. but we're strong enough to bounce back after them and see the productivity and see the positivity in them. So what advice um, would you give to yourself or what advice would you give to someone else 
um, starting out as a director. Well, if I was giving <laughs> advice, if I was giving advice to myself, I wouldn't yeah. bother because I wouldn't listen to it. Um, <laughs> Back then, yeah. Um, I guess the the Jake not cleaning his bedroom. Yeah, yeah. No, by. I'm not going to listen. Yeah. I'm only going to listen to myself. Um, so it's leave the ego at the door is a is a phrase which gets bandied around a lot. It does, yeah. But like what does that actually mean i guess i'm trying to think now mm-hmm. like like you 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 don't know maybe you don't know anything that's that would be what i what i would tell myself like yeah, i would have preferred wow. to have started with a clean slate and just kind of had someone show me like i want i want to know and take all of my knowledge and understanding of early childhood into it 100% yeah. all my training yeah. all of my um yeah understanding and all of that but the leadership side of things, like it would have been good to start fresh because it is such a personal thing. Mm-hmm. And the, the way it's always going to succeed and the way I found success in leadership is by finding and building my own way. Like it failed at the start. But step by step, step day by, by day. Step, day by yeah. day, based off of your own experiences, mm. but in leadership. You don't want to be trying to do things the way somebody else does things Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you don't want to be trying to follow someone else's path it has to be your own Mm -hmm. because like if you're if you're walking someone else's it's going to take avenues you don't want to go down it's going to go in ways you don't want it to go and if you're trying to go down that path you're fighting like you're fighting against something which isn't yours Mm. it's going to be unnatural yeah like you need to be going along with with what sits well for you and that's the only way it's going to be easy like you'll be fighting an uphill battle if you're doing it any other way so just going in really open-minded clean slate yeah and um running your own race yeah yeah 100 like some people are lucky and and have surrounded themselves like with um with very like-minded or very similar people and, mm. and they have had that from the start and so like that would be that's not my experience mm. and so that's something which I can't kind of advise you like I think it's important to get many different perspectives oh 100 percent. yeah 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 and but like I, I I didn't have the the maturity to be able to see that um, okay this is an experience it right. doesn't have to be my experience but it is a experience yeah I was taking on what was happening as a okay this is what should be happening this is the way I need to be doing things yeah. whereas that wasn't the right attitude to be having like 100% take everything in what's going around you all of the time but that doesn't have to be the way you do things mm. that's not what I understood and that's fascinating because it's like different roles that you've been in dif- in your career yeah. you haven't really understood or comprehended the yeah. magnitude of what you could have been well, learning no, because that's... Of you're in those different um you know p- seasons in your life you know that maturity yeah. like yeah so with... I was taking it in but w- the way I was using what I was yeah. taking in wasn't wasn't the best use of those experiences mm. And I think it's funny because you once told me that you've called all of your directors sin. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to all of your old directors. Yeah, so I've, um, I've, called, I've called every one of my directors and I've apologised because you don't know how hard it is and no one knows how hard being a director is until you're in it. And the amount of pushback and the amount of... Um, the, the amount of times that I just was completely uncooperative because... I, I I didn't agree with what 
was happening is mm. is is unfair to those around me. Like it was, um, yeah, and it, and it would have just been making things difficult, like, difficult. Like mm. I'm the I'm the kind of person who who just needs to know why things are happening in order to do them. Mm. Um, I don't know if you're really about this. No. Um, so where should we end? Where should we end our conversation? Um, we can go in the direction of, um, I know in the past year, you've been lucky enough to become a father. Yes. So we can go down the lines of, I guess, really quickly, how you feel that your perspective on early childhood has changed since having your own kids. Um, or we can talk about the elephant in the room um, and address what it's like being a male in a female-dominated sector. I know. Well, um, I guess... Maybe quickly touch base on... So, you know, so, so both just speak to everything. What we've been saying about experience is just shaping the way you do things. For example, going through uni, I always got told you'll be you'll do well because you're a male in a female-dominated industry. Right. So you have a point of difference. Right. And that's not a point of difference that, like, it's, it's just a thing. Like, I want to be a good director. I want to be a good teacher. I don't want to be getting where I'm getting because I'm a male. Like, that's just something what is what it is. Like, right. I so want to be known as a director. I want to earn yeah. what, I, what I have. Not like, because I you're don't want to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, saying that, like, I would be incredibly naive to say that there, it doesn't make a difference. Mm-mm. Like, there are, there are a few traits what I can generalize about. Like, this is my experience and I can't speak for the people's experiences I can't and I don't want to generalize at all but my experience has been with the educators I work with um I'm quite easily able to remove emotion from decisions conversations and and directions Mm -hmm. and I feel as though that has some benefit for example like there, there are there, there are non-negotiable things where you you don't need to be fueled by emotion mm-hmm. like we have certain things which need to be happening in certain ways and there's no kind of two ways um, so what advice um would you give to um like other males in the sector or like any males wanting to come into the child, early childhood sector um all right, well, I'll give some advice to to the males and then I guess I would like some advice to anybody as well. Because um, it speaks to everyone. Like one of the one of the, the generalizations I see about why males and men aren't in early childhood is this um this very stereotypical um some would say offensive idea of the man being the provider and the man wanting to earn money. Um and that's been a standoff point for early childhood. That's mm-hmm. been mm-hmm. that's been something what has pushed back people starting in early childhood. And I've seen like news reporters and things saying that that is one of the reasons why males aren't in early childhood. Okay. That's not for me to say that that is a reason or not. Like mm. I don't know what the reasons are that men aren't in people. early yeah. childhood. Yeah. But on the money side of things, the idea that you can't earn money in early childhood is false like you a hundred percent educators are the minimum wage for educators is is pitifully low like it's criminally low and that's not okay 
there are so many opportunities in early childhood though so many opportunities and so many different avenues um like early childhood and i think that's why it's important to be calling it early childhood and like that's easy to say i call it childcare all the time like it's a habitual thing fair enough but i think on the on the on the grand scope of things early childhood is a whole sector it's not just childcare um you've got so many avenues of going into you can go into leadership you can go into educational leadership you can go into all of the things that are inside the walls of a childcare center Mm. or you can go into the things that are outside of the gardening sports it's such a great opportunity to be able to showcase your interest yeah so and all of that is stuff what you can be doing with inside the walls of the childcare center Mm. you're you're working in but beyond that if you are someone who is who is professionally driven and who who has that drive to be okay looking what can i achieve next what's the next step what's the next rung in the ladder so to speak there are so many different avenues you can be going down so like leadership directing your center that doesn't you don't have to be going down that path Mm. you can start going down the path of compliance you can start going down the path of policy direction you can start working for councils you can start working for for corporations you can start working (laughs) i can do it you i'll I'll welcome you in my doors with open arms um there are there are so many things you can be doing and people don't understand that yeah so many avenues and even starting out like if we're talking about like high up these mm, um quite corporate positions mm. like even to the extent that starting as a certificate three opens doors to become a nanny travel worldwide yeah, um you know there, there's so many avenues getting into like, um social work um speech and language ot like it opens up so many doors and so many pathways mm, and like there's even Beyond all that, there's you can you have the capacity to be self-employed with an early childhood. Like just the other day, we were in a network meeting, and this this awesome guy called Aaron, he runs a company called Pilot Play, and he started off in early childhood, and he was loving early childhood, but he he went in his own avenue and he went in his own direction. But it and came it, from the center. It came from the center. So um, I remember him saying and telling us that like. His director encouraged him to um, start an interest that he had at home, starting using tools with children. So he started to build stuff with the children in his service, and now it's turned into his successful business. Very successful business, and he's doing amazing. Yeah, and he's still he's followed his passion of early childhood, but he's also he's he's following his own avenues to create a great amount of success for himself and mm. good on him. And, and that's what, that's, that's what drew me to early childhood in the, in the first place. And, and like, there's not many sectors or industries in the world where you're offered that kind of flexibility to make money and make success based off of whatever you want to do. <laughs> yeah. And I've got another colleague that I, um, that I used to work with. Um, she's making Play-Doh kits. Mm. Um, for kids and mm. selling them to families. Yeah, and just think like those passions, what people are having, and those avenues, what people are exploring. They're sharing them with the most impressionable type of people there are, like young children and families. Mm. Like those passions and those drives, they're going to be spread to to who knows where and become who knows what, and and that's what's cool about early childhood. Okay, so you said there's plenty of pathways mm. um, in early childhood to explore. Um, 
what's next for you? Like where, what, what keeps you here, what's on your mind and what's next for you in your journey? Well, the whole, one of the whole reasons I chose early childhood as a career and as a profession was because of the, the business side of things and the idea of kind of um, running a business. So, so my story, like I, I went to university and I did um, early childhood primary. And that was always a big question, what gets asked? Like, what are you going to do, early childhood or are you going to do primary? And I was quite set from the very start on doing early childhood. Because, um, yeah, the, the business side of things interested me. And that's, again, that is something what what is very exciting about early childhood and is one of those options what are given to you if you're if you enjoy hanging out with children and you want that fun side of things, but you're also business-minded, like, where else are you going to flex those business muscles while having fun with children? Like, what other sector is that going to be an option in? Leadership is another passion, which, um, like, you can't go through all of the experiences and all of the journeys and all of the, the arguments and the heartbreak and the tears and the stress, what we've been talking about today, you can't go through all of that without loving it. Yeah. And without knowing that that it's all for a reason, yeah. And so through all of that, I have like I've definitely um, cultivated a passion for leadership, and that's something that I want to be sharing and spreading with other current, future, and potential and maybe leaders. Um, mm, mentoring future leaders. Mentoring future leaders. Yeah, one hundred percent. Because I feel as though if if I had someone articulate experiences that I've been through to me mm-hmm. five years ago that would have been beneficial yeah. and, so I can just... and, you, and people want to speak to someone that's yeah. been through their similar experience yeah. um to help and mentor them through yeah. through that period um and can I just say how proud um <laughs> I am <laughs> of your journey um you're amazing and you do amazing things nice. every single day um probably almost one of the most proudest um accomplishments well in my career <laughs> I, I, I kept on saying throughout the recording when referring to our mentor for those who didn't know lisa is said mentor <laughs> in said case that mentor. in case that wasn't obvious. <laughs> no beautiful well i'm so glad that you're my first guest <laughs> on my podcast it was an awesome chat you enjoyed um our little conversation um so we touched based on relationships um working with your team um putting your ego aside so that was really big yeah. Um and also um non-negotiables like yeah. black and white that was really yeah. interesting and um yeah how to work with a team and form a great yeah. culture and d- d- don't say no to friendships just for the sake of saving face like if you can make a friend out of doing what you're doing then why the hell would you not yeah awesome well thanks so much for joining us today Jake no worries my um, friend and um yeah take care subscribe to our podcast to listen to more like and, and subscribe. <laughs> And share it with all your friends. Until next week, you're listening to Everything Early Childhood.